the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You ever wonder about the gifts of the Spirit, why they're given, to what end, and how they're to be used? Well, we're in the middle of a series looking at these gifts here on Way of Grace. Join us. Kids, we love Christmas. Those presents under the tree were always exciting. You never really knew what was underneath all of that wrapping. It was a surprise, right? Those gifts were amazing. Now, we have a a virtual Christmas for you here today. In fact, this weekend next, we're looking at the spiritual gifts that God gives you and I as his children. And you know, really, we should be just as excited about those gifts as we were as children and the gifts that our parents gave us. So what are these gifts and why are they so important? Why has God given us these gifts and how are they to be used? Well, that is what we're looking at this week and next. Join us. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace from Grace Bible Church in Hayward. The church at Corinth had actually collapsed into what we call syncretism, and that is they were living in a culture where other religious systems, mystical systems, had already been operating, and they were taking on what we call a pseudo-glossalia as well, pseudo-glossalian, a a tongues-like manifestation, okay, an oracle manifestation in the temple with people who would come under some kind of spell and notion. And while they are under these spells and notions, they would go to speaking in Babel. And that Babel then would have to be interpreted. And what would come out of that interpretation was a whole litany of all kinds of perverse things. And what the church at Corinth was experiencing because they didn't have a fence up. They didn't build a wall around their community. They didn't make a distinction between the saved and the unsaved. They were porous. They they let everybody in their church. They were one of those churches whose philosophy is the church without walls. But I'm here to tell you, you got to have walls in your church. You got to have doors in your church. You got to have fences in your church. Because the true church has walls, the true church has fences, the true church has doors, and you got to enter in by the front door. Everybody else entering in is a thief and a robber. And the church at Corinth had all kinds of problems with false tongues and false visions and false revelations. And that's why Paul is opening up verses one through three, dealing with what we're calling the spirit of error in the church. And you and I have seen this in first John chapter four, verse four. It's only two spirits in the world, the spirit of what? Truth and the spirit of error. It's only two. And when a man or a woman or a people group are operating out of the spirit of error, they get Jesus wrong. They get the gospel wrong and they get the work of the Holy Spirit wrong. Just letting you know right now, keeping it short for time's sake. When you are operating out of the spirit of error, you get Jesus wrong. You get the gospel wrong. 
You get the spirit wrong. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4 and 5. You have received another Jesus, you have received another gospel, and you have received another spirit. Do y'all know y'all Bible? Because I don't have time all day long to tell you what the Bible said. I'm just quoting it. So there are professing Christians who have a wrong Jesus. They have a wrong gospel. They have a wrong spirit. And what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth is, watch this. He says, before you were saved, before you were saved, you were tyrannically led by demonic idolatrous systems. Isn't that what he says in verse 2? When you were Gentiles in the flesh, demons controlled you. And they did what they wanted with you. Now, let me make, again, a characteristic distinction between the spirit of God and demons for time's sake. The radical difference between demon possession and spiritual influence is that the Holy Ghost never mimics demons. He never mimics demons. And demons never mimic the Holy Ghost. He never mimics demons and demons never mimic the Holy Ghost. In other words, demons do things within the limitations of their nature. And this is how we know them for who they are. They are always controlling. They are always tyrannical. They are always sensual. They are always devilish. They are always producing the fruit of confusion. They are always leading to depression. They are always leading to bondage. They're always leading to captivity and they're always leading to death. That's the only purpose for which he comes to steal, kill and destroy. Demons will temporarily manifest themselves as forms of light. Only to once you yield allegiance to them, they control you. They control you. The Holy Ghost influences you. He persuades you. He nudges you. You don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit where you are constantly resisting his will and he's got to wrestle with you all day long to make you do what you're called to do. That is not the nature of walking in the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One of the things those of us who have lived long enough in Jesus have discovered is that when we are willful to go our own way, God will let us go. Your Bible is filled with the testimony and God let them have their way until the meat came out of their nostrils. And then he destroyed them for their rebellion because the only kind of relationship that you and I can have with God in a tangible way of reciprocation is obedience through faith. The only people that God is calling to walk with him are people who walk through the obedience of faith. See, and that's the gift of God. To be able to hear from the Holy Ghost and then obey him is a gift from God. The rest of mankind wrestles and argues and debates and avoids even in the church. So the evidences of the, uh, the, the demonic spirits, according to Paul, is that they tyrannically lead you. Again, look at that verse. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols. You see the term carried away? Vivid Old Testament picture of being plundered in a war chained and then carried naked like captives from one city to another until you reach the destination of your captors, telling everybody along the way you are a slave. And that's how demons work. That's exactly the picture that Paul is painting. Follow this now. Even as you were led. Do you see it? 
here on this side of the equation, what he says is that you were given over to them and you volitionally submitted to them. The moment that you said yes to demons, you opened the door for them to control you. Now, he says, conversely, in verse three, wherefore, I give you to understand. I want you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of God can call Jesus a curse. Do you see it? The Holy Ghost doesn't accidentally blaspheme Jesus. He doesn't teach blasphemy of the spirit of Jesus. The Holy Ghost doesn't take you into such ecstatic experiences, mystical uh, 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 notions of him working in your life to where when you wake up, you wonder whether or not you blaspheme God. And, and I'm sorry, and I don't even want to be here long. It's just important. When you are babbling and calling that speaking in tongues, you can't tell me that you know what you're talking about. Because the very nature of an unknown tongue is that you can't know it. Somebody else has to give interpretation. Now stay with me now. I know a lot of my brothers and sisters who practice that feel like they're saved. I know you feel like you're saved. But there are a lot of you who are not safe and they know they're not saved. And they have a real concern over time with their conscience about what they're doing because you have to now wrestle between what you know and what you don't know. And particularly when you come up under sound teaching. When you come up under sound teaching, you have to wrestle with submitting yourself to a dimension of practice and dialogue within yourself that you call a spiritual gift, whether it's a tongue and prayer or what have you. You have to struggle with the cognitive side that God has called you to operate. Do all things with an understanding. The distinct difference between Christianity and all the other religions in the world that collapse into mysticism is that they will simply hide behind the term mystery or mystical. I don't know what I'm doing, but it feels like God. The Bible does not talk like that about God. Sorry. You can do it if you want to. This is what we call in uh, Protestant theology, private judgment. In, in, Christian, in Christian history, we have had the church so hyper-controlling over people. This is your diatrophy spirit in Third John dominating the church, as was the case with Catholicism, that you couldn't think on your own. But in the Protestant era, one of the ethics we have developed is what we call private judgment. That a man is made in the image of God. That he has a right to think what he wants to because his judge is ultimately on high. Doesn't mean what you're thinking is right. Just means that I don't get to punish you and send you to hell. Ain't you happy for that? Doesn't mean, however, what you're thinking is right. And, and, and suppose you're meeting a mature believer who has been there and done that and watching you practice something that is questionable and just out of discernment. That's another gift. We'll be dealing with that down the line. He says to you, my brother, can you tell me what you are saying? Do you know what you're saying? Do you know whether or not you are honoring God in what you're saying? Do you hear me? Got work to do, saints. Got work to do. And in this particular context, Paul had to hurry up and arrest it because the goal of the devil is to get everyone in the world to curse Jesus. In other words, let me help you with a redemptive interpretation so I can move on. The very work of the triune God is to curse the curse with a curse. And men and women who have not been given the revelation of that glorious truth cannot understand, cursed is he that hangeth upon the tree. Everyone who has been redeemed by that curse 
has been blessed to know that that curse was a doctrine of substitution. That the man on the cross was not himself cursed. Nor was the outcome of his work that he was cursed. He temporarily bore my sins in order that I might become the righteousness of God in him. And when the work was done, he rose from the dead, the most blessed man in all the universe. And no blessings come to anybody in the universe except through that blessed man who for a moment of time was cursed under the curse of God as a substitute for hell-bound sinners. Is that good or what? But we don't call him cursed. We call him blessed. We don't call him cursed. We call him blessed. And all blessings and all spiritual blessings in heavenly places come via him. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Don't ever collapse into the doctrine that Christ was actually sin. Don't ever collapse into that doctrine. Because then it would be true. He's cursed. The Jews believe that then, they believe it now. Mohammedans believe that then. And everyone that's ignorant of the mystery of how God can separate the glory of Christ as our God while imputing our sin to him so that you and I become the righteousness of God in him is a mystery. Stay humble about that and never find yourself cursing God in that mystery. Do you hear me? Never find yourself cursing God in that mystery. And so this is what Paul is dealing with. And so under the first point, the spiritual era of the church, we have abuses of the gifts corrected or charismata. That's our term that we'll be dealing with over the next couple of weeks. Charismata or charismata. And that is spiritual gifts. The unbeliever is tyrannically led by demons. The true believer calls Jesus Lord even unto death. Do you see it? Here's the distinct difference between a person led by demons and a person led by the spirit of God. The person that's led by the spirit of God will face demons. He will face hell. He will face the judgments of men. And by the work of the spirit of God in him, he will say, Jesus is Lord even unto death. This is the glory of the gospel Whenever you and I have owned Jesus as Savior, we take up our cross and we follow him. In other words, many Caesars and many rulers have told the believer to curse Jesus of whom they never cursed him. I mean, little children, young adults, old saints, mature saints. Jesus is Lord, even if it means taking my life. And they love not their lives unto the death. Are you hearing me? So the idea of calling Jesus is Lord, Jesus Lord is not just what runs out of your mouth. Stephen said it. Ye always resist the Holy Ghost. And while they were stoning him and gnashing upon him with their teeth, he was saying, I see the Lord Jesus high and lifted up on his throne at the right hand of God, ruling over the world. His glory is so amazing to me, so astounding to me. He gives me grace to say, Lord, do not lay this to their charge. They don't know what they're doing. It's what we call the spirit of glory is able to keep you so that you do not deny Jesus as Lord. Are you hearing me? All right, let's go to point number two then as we work this through. In my outline, I have a third, a fourth sub point. Do you guys, the offense of the cross? That's really what I'm talking about right there. What Paul talked about already in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 24 is that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that are not believing. It is the power of God unto salvation to those that are believing. Christ is for us the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
He's the power of God and the wisdom of God. There's nobody like Jesus to me. There's no system. There's no body of knowledge. There's no epistemology. There's no science. There's no education that even comes close to who Jesus is and what he has done in terms of ruling this world and revealing himself to this world and saving a people for himself. And ultimately, the wisdom we're talking about is the wisdom of redemption of the souls of men and women who rightly deserve to go to hell. God has saved billions of people through the wisdom of Christ. Billions of people through the power of Christ. For us, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. That's for us. Now I can say it, but when that person comes to cut my head off, I'll need the Holy Ghost to help me say it to his face or her face as many of my brothers and sisters have already done. That's a done deal. They've done it. That history is laid down. That blood is laid down. They paved the way for you and I today by them standing saying, Jesus is Lord, no matter what you say. They've already paved the way. This is not about church. This is about a witness of the glory of God. Point number two, then, as we begin to work through this, point number two deals with what I call the spiritual gifts to the church. Now, this is going to get into what I was talking about earlier, what I call the triune collaboration. If you look at verse four through seven, this is the bulk of our discussion for today. He says in verse four, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Do you guys see that? That set of verses there teaches us, if you are careful to observe the text, a triune collaboration. This is what I was teaching you guys in hermeneutics. One of the first and most fundamental rules, if you're going to ever read your Bible right, is you've got to be able to read your Bible without all kind of noise going on in your head. Don't ever think you're going to properly interpret God's word that as you are reading it, you're talking at the same time in your head. Who you think you are? God's talking to you and you busy on your cell phone. Have you ever met those kids, parents? They're your kids. Here you are talking to them and they own the text. Cut this out on the camera. Cut this out. Whack. Knock that head square off his shoulders so he or she spends the rest of the day looking for their head. Where my head at? What you mean where your head at? My mama knocked it off my shoulders. My daddy knocked it off my shoulders. It's somewhere. I can hear it screaming. Watch this. When you read your Bible, ask God to quiet your mind. You don't have enough wisdom or enough integrity to be able to see what's on the page. Unless the Holy Ghost illuminates you and isolates you and separates you unto communion with himself so that you can hear what the Spirit is saying to you, the church. It's what we call observation. So listen to it. There are diversities of of the gifts, but the same what? See that? That's our first. That's our first subject. The Spirit. That's our first subject. The Spirit. Who is he? He's the third person. Look at the next line. And there are differences of administration, but the same what? That's our second subject. That's the second subject. This here is the second person. His name is Jesus. Is he Kyrios? Is he Yahweh? Is he Jehovah? He is Lord. 
So we have the third person. Now we have the second person, don't we? Watch what it goes on to say. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same what? Theos. Theos. Now, whenever Jesus is mentioned in the same context with God the Father, God the Father always gets the title Theos by himself. Jesus gets the title Kyrios or Lord. And the Holy Spirit bears his insignia as a self-evasing servant, evasing servant. He's called the Spirit. Do you see the triune God there? Do you see it? But what I want you to see now, this is called exegesis of the text, exposition of the text. It's simple. It's not hard. You just have to slow down. You'll see that what's going on is a collaboration between all three of them. And what the text says is God the Father is the one that energizes it all. Notice what it says. But it is the same God which what? Worketh all in all. So in your outline under point number two, we have three main subpoints. The Spirit of God is the what of the gifts? The Spirit of God is the one that gives the gifts in a diversified way. Do you see it? The Spirit of God and the diversified gifts. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But notice that's the term that's used in our text. And it really has to do with variety. I want to talk about that a little bit more. I'll come back. Going to subpoint B, the Lord Jesus is what? The administrative executor. He's the exe- uh, administrative executor. That term there means that Jesus is the one that actually tells the Spirit of God what to do. He's the administrative chief executive. Why? All power has been given in his hands. All authority has been given to Jesus. Jesus rules from his throne at the right hand of God, actually telling the spirit of God what to do. Do you hear me? This is what we learned, didn't we? And I will take, he will take the things of mine and show them unto you. He will not glorify himself. He will glorify me. All that the Father hath are mine. And what I have, I will give to you via him. So the third person is that servant that's actually meeting out the gifts on a personal, practical level at the, at the expression of diversity. I'm going to come back there because you want to understand diversity. You really do. Subpoint C, God the Father is what we call the what? Operational authority. Do you see that? So if you were to invert this, you would have God the Father as operational authority, the Lord Jesus as administrative executor, and the Spirit of God as the diversifier of the gifts. You can call him the UPS brother. You guys got that? Do y'all have that? So let me help you see it in another way out of the five passages that I shared this with you before. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at around verse 4, lays it out in the inverse order. Watch this, Ephesians 4, 4. There is what? One body. This is called the church. This is ecclesia. The ecclesia is the outcome of the triune collaboration. Now watch this. There is one what? Spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling, verse 5, one Lord, who is that? Jesus. So we already got two persons there, don't we? And one faith and one what? All of these are the cardinal doctrines that composite what we call the saving work of God for the church. The church is a byproduct of the work of the Spirit, of the work of the Son, and the work of the Father. It manifests itself in a life of faith. And it affirms it in the practice of baptism and obedience. Is that the way the church has always worked? Watch the language now. Here it is again. Verse 6. Verse 6. One God and Father, what? Above all. Have y'all learned that theology yet? 
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. It starts with the Father. He's always the source. I taught our ladies this in, tr- in the Trinity class a couple years ago, didn't we, ladies? We got it vividly and clearly and concretely. God the Father is always Cardinal One. It all starts with Daddy. It's owned by the Son because of His redemptive work, and it's applied by the third person who loves to glorify the Son and the Father together. That'll conclude our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan, the Ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We thank you for spending time with us. Trust that as you do walk through God's Word with us, you're growing in grace, growing in your relationship with Christ and your love and adoration to Him. As we conclude our time together today, we would like to remind you that if today's broadcast was impact to you, maybe it really blessed you, or maybe you've got a question or two that to listen to this program again would help out. Well, we have CDs available when you call or write to us, or if you wish, simply stop by our website and download the audio file from the website. Our web address is grace-bible.com, rather simple. Again, grace-bible.com. Or contact us by phone at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, the address is 22768 Main Street. And that's here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. Again, that's 22768. Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541 is the zip code. We ask for $5 per CD, or again, as mentioned, simply stop by our website and you can listen to the message in its entirety or download the MP3 version, grace-bible.com. One final note, we're inviting you to join us for worship. Sunday services are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study at 8 p.m. We'd love for you to stop by and join us for worship, especially if you're not involved in a fellowship at this time. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We have folks from all kinds of churches all over the Bay Area joining us at 8 p.m. It's a marvelous time of studying God's Word together as a company of believers. Again. For directions, simply go to grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.